What's up, guys? It's John Lee, grow pastor down in Gateway in South Austin. We're out here asking the public what their favorite spots in town are. Let's go. It's John on the street. Hey, I'm out here with Kimberly. How's it going, Kimberly? Hey, it's great. Thank you so much. So got a couple questions for you. What is your favorite barbecue spot in Austin? Rebel Cheese. They have versions of barbecue, like anything that you can think of that you wouldn't be able to order as a vegan or vegetarian, you can order there and safely consume the entire thing. Favorite barbecue? I'm going with Black's. Black's. Terry Black's, the legend. What's your favorite barbecue spot in Austin? Um, I would have to say Don's Barbecue on 969. It's a little underrated. What do you like to get at Don's? Oh, man, they got everything. Uh, their breakfast tacos are really good. Barbecue sandwiches are really good. You can buy the meat by the pound. The Rudy's is pretty good. Rudy's a solid, solid. Uh, Pokey Joe's is probably pretty good right there, too. What about favorite barbecue in Austin? Maybe Slab Barbecue. I like the ribs at Loro on Sunday and Monday. Loro's, give me some. That's what I'm talking about. Loro's is the bomb. Maybe Black's Barbecue? Black's, love it, love it. Oh, here, absolutely. True barbecue. True barbecue, it's pretty good. I'm saying it just because I'm posted here, it's because it's good. So whether it's eating your favorite breakfast taco, paddleboarding out on Ladybird Lake, hanging out at Zilker Park, or checking out that new hip coffee shop, we all have different ideas on how to have the best summer ever. But you know, to actually have a great summer, you don't have to, say, visit that perfect vacation spot that you can post on your Instagram or even cross off items off of your bucket list. Having a truly special and meaningful summer looks like having great life-enriching conversations with friends, spending quality time with your family and loved ones, getting to know a neighbor or a coworker a little bit better, even doing random acts of kindness for people you don't know. We actually see this kind of lifestyle in the very first church. Check this out. In the book of Acts, God's people have just witnessed the life-changing and miraculous event of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And they're just so blown away and taken back by what they just saw and experienced, so touched by the love and forgiveness of God, that this just bubbles up and spills out into the community around them. And when the church today lives this way, we actually show the world that the church, in fact, it's not a building. It's a people, a people who have been transformed by Jesus and his love and who are living a life out of gratitude and a life of loving and serving others. This week, we learn how to love one another. All right, well done. John on the street, give him a hand. Our very own John Lee. Good stuff. Yeah, best summer ever, and um, many of you know I'm going on sabbatical. If you got the email saying this is Eric's last Sunday, that was Amber's idea. I'm just gone for two months, and you'll be taken well care of while I'm gone. In fact, Ricky Echiona, Norman Garcia, John Lee, Jamie Schwartz, we have lots of great speakers this summer. It's going to be really, really wonderful while I'm in. Uh, Greece for a couple weeks, and the Dominican Republic, and Minnesota, a couple of those trips were covered uh, by other folks uh, wanting me to come, and so I'm super excited about that. Greece was not covered, uh, but, but it's worth uh, saving up for, and we're super excited about it. But I want to ask you this question as we dive into love one another. Have you ever found yourself lonely? Have you ever found yourself in need 
of community, encouragement. I remember in 2007, I had been promoted. I was, uh, at the time, at a church in Los Angeles called Mosaic, and I had been the student pastor, and then I helped start the campuses. I was called a catalyst. It was a cool title. And then I was promoted. I became a navigator. It's like an executive pastor. And all of a sudden, all the people I loved working with were now people I supervised, and they started treating me differently. Uh, suddenly, I wasn't invited to hang out with them quite as much. Suddenly, I'd walk into a room, and the conversation would change. A and I was younger than some of the people oversaw, and, and that was awkward and hard. And it was at that exact same time that Deborah and I were really in the middle of several years of not being on the same page. Whether it was where we were living or how we were parenting, it, it was a really lonely stretch. And then there was a day where my wife told me, I don't want to be a pastor's wife anymore. And you see, she would came to that place because I was really a workaholic. And she thought, well, maybe if, if Eric has another job, maybe, maybe then he'll be around to help with the kids who are much littler, much smaller at the time. And I remember for about two weeks just feeling this burden and not having anyone I felt I could talk to about it. H have you ever been in that place? Fortunately, I had a conversation with one of our pastors and bringing it out into the light. He encouraged us. We ended up getting counseling and, and, and we're in a better place now than we've ever been. That was so many years ago. But we live in a, a beautiful place, but it can be a lonely place. Do you know that Austin is now the 10th largest city in the United States? Did you know that? You wouldn't know that necessarily because we're the fourth largest in Texas. So we don't get mentioned usually in big lists like that. But there are now about 2.5 million people living in Austin and in the Austin area. I mean, some of you moved here when there were barely any skyscrapers downtown. They weren't even skyscrapers. They were more like cloud ticklers, right? But it's just changed so much over the years. But here's the thing, when it's, you're living in a large city, people move here and you just assume because there's so many people, someone else must be looking in on them. When in reality, so many actually are not. They're going to bed lonely, not having any meaningful interaction, not having any human touch. I've had people tell me that Sunday mornings at Gateway South is the one day of the week when they get hugs. Because throughout the week they're working, they're thinking. But unity is one-third of these one another commands. Humility is another 15%. But love one another is one-third of the commands. There's a great infographic about all of these verses. If you go to Digging Deeper, and I encourage you to do that every Sunday, just to Take what you've heard and really apply it, whether it's in a conversation with your family, your roommates, or your community group. But in the ancient Greek world, there were actually four words for love. So we have the word love, and we could say, I love pizza, and I love my wife. It's not the same kind of love. I mean, I love pizza, but I could go without it. But my wife, I've committed my life to living with her, serving with her, being her husband. And so sometimes when you don't have enough language, it can get lost. 
So in Greek, there were actually four different words to describe four different types of love. Storge is an empathetic bond of affection. Phileo is the bond of friendship or brotherly love. Philadelphia, that's where they're named after. Eros, romantic love or being in love. And then agape, it's this unconditional love that comes from God. When I was in college, I had several of my friends pledging to be in fraternities. And I didn't understand it because you had to pay extra money to have friends. That's what it felt like to me. I know it sounds very judgmental for any of you who are Greek or were Greek. But me and my roommates decided to create our own fraternity. And and your dues were just paying your rent, paying your part of the bills. And so we named ourselves Alpha Pi. We were the agape posse, the posse of love. And we even had, the four of us even had our own little sweetheart. We'd vote every semester for a new sweetheart. Basically, we gave some sweet girl, naive girl, the chance to make us cookies. And every semester, someone would say yes. It was shocking. And we even did service projects as the agape posse, as alpha pi. And, and then... What happened with, with us, the four of us, Pete and Joe had decided they wanted to outserve me and Craig, and we were happy to let them win. And so for months, they were doing all the dishes. They were cleaning the living room. They were, of course, taking care of their room. They didn't come into our room, and, but I didn't mind letting them outserve us until one day I woke up late on a Saturday. I walked into the bathroom, and there was Pete scrubbing our toilet. Yeah, I thought that was a little too much. That's too much. And so then we, Craig and I, decided, you know what? We can't let them outserve us. So we decided to outserve them. And we lived together for three years and never had a chore chart because we were all just trying to outserve the other. If anyone saw a need, we would try to serve it. It was a glimpse of what we see in the early church in the way that we could live loving one another. Listen to what Jesus says in John 13. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So how did Jesus love us? How should we love others? Romans 5 gives us the answer. It says this. You see, at just the right time, when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is only until we realize and encounter the love of God as displayed on the cross, where Jesus willingly gave his life, that we can understand what love truly is. And if you're here and you're just exploring God, I want to just encourage you to consider a a kind of love that is beyond comprehension. It's so hard to explain what it feels like when you know the unconditional love of God. When you know what it's like to be forgiven. That your shame is no more. That he is with you at all times. See, only God can meet the deepest needs. We try to see if other people can do that. And they will always leave us disappointed. But the one who created us can meet those deepest needs and longings. And he wants us to be a part of answering the prayers of other people, of representing him 
If you are a follower of Jesus, you're considered part of the body of Christ, his hands, his feet in the world, bringing more of heaven to earth. You may not realize this, but today is Pentecost Sunday. Almost 2,000 years ago on this day, the church was born. As John shared in the video, there was several followers of Jesus, and they had just seen Jesus crucified only to see him alive, walking around again. But then he ascended to the Father, and he had been telling them that you need to wait in Jerusalem, and then the Spirit will come. And it happened to be on a holiday weekend, a holiday called Pentecost. And Jews from all over the known world had made their way to Jerusalem to celebrate. And suddenly these disciples, these early followers of Jesus, were able to speak in the languages of all of those that had come to visit. Peter stands up. Remember the one who had denied Jesus not too long ago. Stood up and explained how Jesus was the Messiah that had been long promised. And 3,000 decided to follow Jesus on that day. What was about 120 up in an upper room praying and afraid were now 3,120. And so let's look at how this early church was described. Acts 2.47, it says the early church were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now this is a remarkable description. Because I don't know about you, but I know people who are known for praising God, but they are not also the same people who have favor among others. What about you? And I know people who have favor among other people, but they're not known for praising God. These two ideas don't seem like they should belong together. Like jumbo shrimp, cafeteria food, Mavericks basketball. I'm a Mavericks fan, but I'm bailing. I'm going to the Spurs. I'm tired of... Them losing on purpose. <laughs> but every single day, lives were changed. And I want you to think about how this was possible. We're going to kind of pan out a little bit, go backwards in the story, a little bit more context. It says this in verse 42, describing the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they anointed or continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, what we see is a kind of love that is rare in our world. They were devoted to God. In several different ways. They were devoted to God and the apostles' teaching about God. To prayer. They were sent out into relationships and the lives of other believers and those who did not believe. And they were willing to trust God and sacrifice for others. But they were also devoted to each other. They gathered in the temple courts with each other. They were in large groups like we do on Sundays. And they shared meals in their homes like we do in our community groups and small groups. And they had fellowship. Now, let me pause for a moment. If you grew up going to church, that word fellowship might mean something different to you than what it actually means here. Fellowship. When I was growing up, it felt like going to camp and singing kumbaya and turn to the right and massage the person in front of you, right? It was this warm, ooey-gooey kind of moment around the campfire. 
Or maybe you grew up in a church that had a fellowship hall. And all of your memories were just pot yucks eating in there. People bringing their leftovers and sharing them with you. But actually, I didn't fully understand this word until a movie came out years ago called Fellowship of the Ring. Lord of the Rings. And I love that movie. Some of you might be fans as well. But I love it for a different reason. See, I think I'm related to hobbits. My mom is 4 feet 11 inches tall. And she has hairy feet. Just kidding. She doesn't have hairy feet. But actually, when, at the time when this movie came out, in California, you had to sit in a booster seat in the back if you were 4 foot 9 or less. Every time my mom would come visit, I'd say, Mom, do you want that booster seat? You're almost... Shrunk down to 4'9". She didn't like that joke either. She didn't think that was funny at all. And when my children were born, they came out super tiny. In fact, Trevi, the one singing here in the middle earlier, and Caleb, they were both within the 10th percentile height and weight, but 90th percentile head. They came out like little bobbleheads. They would just crawl and kind of drag their head beside them. Right? I went to the doctor as Caleb was getting a little bit bigger. And a little older, I should say. And I was like, I'm really concerned because our son is so much smaller than all the other kids in his class. And the doctor looked at me and she said, well, Mr. Bryant, you and your wife are little people. <laughs> Not that little, you know. <laughs> but see, fellowship in the film was actually galvanizing humans and dwarves and hobbits and elves. These creatures that could not stand each other were now in a cause to save civilization. It brought them together. See, fellowship isn't necessarily what we do for each other. It's what together we do for the world. See, fellowship is coming together around a common cause. And we're invited to a cause to bring more of heaven to earth, to bring the light and love of God to those around us. And it happens when we treat others differently than others have experienced being treated. See, our causes bring hope to humanity, and his name is Jesus. So how were they devoted to each other? They gathered in the temple courts. They shared meals in their homes. They experienced fellowship, and they sacrificed to meet the needs of others. And miraculously, as they devoted themselves to God and to others, they were seeing their family members, their cousins, their friends choosing to follow Jesus. And I want you to think about this for a moment. These were the first people on the planet to proclaim that God came and walked among us and his name is Jesus. They were the first to say that Jesus died on a cross only to rise again on the third day. And people, I'm sure, were suspect of them. This was not a common idea. But you know what? They would say, those Christians, they have some really odd beliefs, but you know what? They're really kind. They paid for my cousin's rent. They took care of people in need. See, that's how they were known for praising God and they enjoyed favor among the people. It's because of their kindness, their love, the love that spilled out of their community into the lives of other people. I wonder, how does your love for God show up in your day-to-day -day life? Does the love you demand from the world exist when you look in the mirror. See, the world needs you to become who God created you to be. I'm going to give you one very specific way to help us grow this month. 
You heard me talk about it last week. It's called the Blessed Challenges. If you haven't jumped in, I want to encourage you to do it. Just read through the book of Acts over the next several weeks. It's 28 chapters, so one a day or five a day. Take the weekends off and just read a chapter a day. And just pray, God, show me what you want me to do today. Show me how you want me to live. And if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Gateway Church Austin, you can watch the devotional that many of us staff in the church have filmed to help you along the way. And then look for ways to bless others, your family, neighbors, coworkers, and friends. And then I've started a group. It's a once-a-month group. So we're going to meet some of us today or Thursday, and then we're going to meet again in August. It's called a Random Acts of Kindness group. If you want to be a part of it, it's for those who are following Jesus and want to read through Acts and they want to make a difference in the world. Just email me at eric at gatewaychurch.com. And I'd love to invite you to that. It's on Zoom, so you don't have to get in the car and drive anywhere. And then there's another resource. Many of you have been around for a long time and know I wrote a book years ago. It's called Not Like Me. And as we've been, I don't know if you've noticed, we've been cleaning up around here. We've been... We've been making some uh, refurbishments around here. And it's been really fun seeing people just jumping in and getting involved. But in the middle of that, we found a box of my books, not like me. We didn't know we had. And so we're making them available to you today. Most of you already have a copy, probably. We've made them available over the years. But if you don't, I would love to get one for you. Now, it's $10 if you have it. You can use Venmo. But if you don't, We'll give you one. It's not for you to give away to a cousin, you know, you forgot their graduation gift or something. It's for you to read. And if you have a copy and never read it, I want to encourage you this summer to read it. It's genuinely my journey from growing up in Texas, growing up in the Bible Belt, growing up in a homogenous church that didn't seem to care about the world around us, moving to Seattle, moving to Los Angeles. And the experiences that God brought into my life to help me learn to love people who look differently than me. Love people who might make different choices, might vote differently. And so I want to give you a copy, or if you want to pay for it, you can do that today. All proceeds go to a nonprofit trying to help churches actually become more like Gateway. But these are just resources to help you. But the way that we live this out together is, first of all, our world needs our service. What we do on Sundays helps create a space for people to experience God's love and His presence, find transformation. Do you know how many marriages we've seen that have been healed? Kids that have found faith, students that have found hope, young adults that have found their calling. Folks, of all ages, finding their path of making a difference. And whether it's serving with our food pantry or with partners like Mission of Hope or with our refugee network or with age groups or with our women's network, our men's network. In fact, yesterday our men's network was over at Mike and Kay Papali's house helping around the yard. I'm always blown away just to hear of the ways you're making a difference, the ways that you're serving. And we actually have something new that's going to happen while I'm gone. In fact, Jamie, if you don't mind making your way up here. Jamie has been on our staff before. She was our kids director, then she was our restore pastor, and then she retired kind of young. And uh, she had other things that her and her husband are working towards, adopting foster kids. 
And recently, she and I have started talking, and she's going to come and help us with our facilities and operations. Jared, who's been doing a great job at that, has another job where he works 50, 60 hours a week, so it's hard for him to put in the time. So if you see him, thank him for his hard work. But Jamie's going to become our pastor over facilities and operations. Isn't that exciting? Give her a hand as she shares a little bit about Did you get a mic? Oh, let me get one for you. So Jamie, if you would tell us a little bit about how this can be a part of making a difference in our world. Well, I am very excited, although if you know me, you're probably thinking right now, well, Jamie, what have you gotten yourself into? Because this may not, I may not look like the person you would think would be over facilities and operations, but I am very excited. And I actually just wanted to start by telling you a really quick story. Eric didn't give me much time, so I'll try to make it quick. But um, I grew up in a family with a mom who had a very strong value of everybody contributes. So in our house, it was like equal chores. We all had to pitch in everything. And honestly, it drove me crazy as a kid, especially because I had friends whose parents were doing a lot for them. And I'm like, why doesn't my mom do it for me? But the truth is, is that I gained a lot from that as an adult. I'm really grateful for. But there was this one moment. So we... Growing up in uh, the church that we grew up in, my mom was a part of the cleaning crew. And the cleaning crew was a bunch of women from within the church that would rotate and take turns cleaning the church each week. And so on my mom's weeks, it was my mom and me and my younger sister. And I remember, I'm sure that we complained. I'm sure that we threw a fit before we had to go, but she took us with her anyway. But we get to the church, and our job was to clean the pews. Yeah, this was like old-school, traditional wooden pews. So we were dusting the pews, and then we would get the polish out, and we would polish the wood. And I remember the first time I did that, going to church that Sunday and looking around at the pews and having this sense inside of me, I did that. I looked at people sitting in these pews, and it was something so simple. But the truth is, I was actually a really lonely child who felt very disconnected and kind of on the outs in every place I went, even at church. And this was a small way that, honestly, my mom was probably just recruiting us because it's like, this is your church too, so you need to contribute. But what she didn't realize is that was giving me a deeper sense of meaning and purpose that I felt like I was a part of something. And I think it's so easy to be on the outside. And the truth is, you've probably heard it said that the church is not the building. And that's true. The church is us. It's me, it's you, it's all of us. The only reason the building is important is because you're important. And so my heart and my goal for stepping into this role is really to help us, of course, have a beautiful church where we can do all of these amazing things, but it's really to get to know you and to make sure that everybody in our church who wants to have a place to be included does. And so that's what I'm really looking forward to. And I'm going to be sharing more as the weeks to come, but um, I think they're going to maybe put my name and um, my email address on the screen. And if not, I'm going to be around. Come find me if you're like, yes, I want to be a part of what you guys are going to be doing. If you're excited about or have some sort of skill or gift. If you, let me just say this real quick before I go. If you like to watch cleaning videos, come find me. <laughs> because I, <laughs> I love cleaning videos. And there is a group of us out there, even though you might not think so. There are people who enjoy it. It's therapeutic. And also, if you have maintenance skill sets, if you're a handyman, handywoman, if you have different skills that you think could be of service to us at this building, 
I want to meet you. I want to get connected with you. And really anybody, every one of us has something to contribute. And so I just want to encourage you to uh, be looking out for me, continue to reach out to me, and hopefully um, I'll get to see you guys again real soon. Thanks. Thank you, Jamie. That's great. Isn't that awesome? So thank you for the ways you serve, looking for ways to bring justice to areas of injustice, helping those who are hurting, bringing kindness to those who've been knocked down. We're bringing love into our world. Well, our world also needs our generosity. Gateway is made up of many generous people. And I'm just so blown away by this community. You know, over the years, we did the math, and we actually have a little chart that shows over the years, oh, there's that, there's that chart. There's another one that says how much we've given towards our, yeah, this little campus has given over a million dollars since we've been around towards serving those in need. Now, that's just taking 11% of what has come in over the years. I, I know it's more than that, as many of you have traveled on some of our GO teams serving in Haiti or India or Nicaragua. And, and the generosity of this community is making a difference, bringing more of heaven to earth. In fact, just this week we were on the news. I don't know if you heard, there's a government agency that is no longer going to help refugees with their three, first three months of rent. And on the news, KXAN News, you can go to our website, gatewaychurch.com, and watch the story. They interview this family that was in need. And so literally the government agency let us know what was going on so that we could jump in. And this gateway, that's one of the beauties of being one campus among many in the city is we're able to help all of these families, many of these families. Yeah, you can give yourselves a hand to be able to get a fresh start, find jobs. But I want to give you a heads up because I won't be here for the next two months. I just normally like to remind you as we get closer to the end of our fiscal year, which is in August. If you're a guest, by the way, feel no obligation to give. For those of us that this is your church home, it's important for you to know this. At this point, it looks like we might be coming in the red, about $37,000 at the end of August. Um, if you could put up a, the slide on how to give. If you want to give towards what we're doing here, um, you can do that. Again, if you're a guest, feel no obligation. We're just glad that you're here. But for those of us, this is our church family. There's about 512 people that give to God through Gateway South. And if each of us gave $270 more than we're currently giving, we would actually not just get back into the black, but we'd be back to closer to where we were before the pandemic. And in fact, we have two of our staff that are part-time who are part-time with us and part-time helping all the campuses. My hope and prayer is that over the next couple years, we get back to where they're full-time with us again. And so if God puts this on your heart, just pray about whether it's starting to give more of your income each month or starting to give at all or giving above and beyond what you currently give. But here's what's really beautiful. What I've discovered in my own life is that I cannot seem to outgive God. Like even this summer as we were praying about what to do, I got an invitation to go to the Dominican Republic to a resort and they said, would you come and do devotionals four mornings and we'll fly you and your wife and you can stay at the resort with us. And I said, God, what should I do? <laughs> no, I said, God, thank you. And by the way, I got that email while I was in India, which was a really hard trip. You were praying for me while I was over there. And just to see the, 
a partner that's over there that's got a home for 180 children that wouldn't have a home otherwise. Like, you have been so generous. You don't even realize it. Whatever you give, a portion of that is going towards people in incredible need. And so if, at the very least, pray with us that we can finish the summer strong. If you go on vacation, don't forget this is your church family. Right? Give while you're gone. And then finally, our world needs our voice. I mentioned blessing our neighbors. Bless is a code word. It stands for begin with prayer. Think of someone that you care about, someone that you want to experience the unconditional love of God. Could be a family member, a neighbor, coworker, a friend. And just begin praying for them. And then listen to them. Then engage with them. Look for a way to serve them. And then share your story with them. When the opportunity is right. We will never truly change the world around us. Unless we tap into that greater love. A love beyond our expectations. Beyond our limitations. That God offers freely to all of us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the ways that you are there for us. That unconditional love that you offer each of us that we have access to and that we can experience in the context of community. God, even seeing my little girl singing on stage today, just uh, coming back from college, just reminded of those years of her not wanting to be here, but this community loving her through that. This is a place where we can truly come as you are Thank you for these amazing people who've shown so much love to me and my family and to the friends and the neighbors that I've invited. And God, may your love bubble up and out of our hearts and lives into the lives of those that don't have what we yet have. And God, for anyone in here in the room that's not yet said yes to following you, God, would you give them the courage to do that today? Just to say, Jesus, I need what you did on the cross to count for me, forgive me. forgiveness, your love, your guidance. So God, would you just put on our hearts our next way to contribute towards what you're doing as this body of Christ serves South Austin. God, whether it's something in our hearts to give, or maybe it's to serve, start serving in kids over the summer as a backup, or helping Jamie with what we're going to do with this facility, or serving in the city, God, with bridging neighbors, or our women's network, whatever God you put on their hearts. Give us the courage to take that next step. We pray all this in Jesus' name.